0: The Old Testament lesson tells us of Isaiah's call to prophetic ministry. So I invite you to wander through this story with me as we search for meaning in our everyday lives. Church, hear this sacred word. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. And the hem of God's robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above God, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I, Isaiah, said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the one who reigns, the Holy One of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and the seraph touched my mouth with it, and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed you, and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did you catch it? In the year that King Uzziah died. That's how the scripture passage begins. In the year that King Uzziah died. Raise your hand or give a thumbs up on Facebook if you know what happened in the year that King Uzziah died. (laughs) No cheating by asking Steve Brown. So here's some Jeopardy trivia about King Uzziah. Uzziah was the king of Judah. And his son, Jothan, took the throne when Syria and Israel were making advances toward the land of Judah. And there was a huge crisis, just as Jothan's son, Ahaz, was taking over the throne. That's Uzziah's grandson. And at the time, Isaiah the prophet begged Ahaz simply to resist Israel's advances. But instead of listening to God's prophet, Ahaz joined forces with the superpower Assyria. Assyria did stop the invasion, but during the next generation, when Ahaz's son Hezekiah was king, the alliance between Assyria and Judah went sour, and Assyria actually invaded Judah. So here's the point. The entire country of Judah was destroyed except for a small part in the city of Jerusalem. So in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah is in this small remnant of Jerusalem, inside the temple in a torn land. The temple is an ancient symbol of where heaven and earth meet. And inside this holy space, Isaiah looks up heavenward and he sees smoke billowing from the incense. And he hears the praises of the worshipers in the other room, holy, holy, holy. And in this vision, there are seraphs, these wild six-winged creatures, not to be confused with cicadas and they represent the glory and the political power of God. Isaiah knows that he is standing on holy ground, but there's one glitch in the year that King Uzziah died. When Judah fell to Assyria, no one had language to talk about it, including Isaiah, God's prophet. For how do you speak of a great nation blessed by God falling to a secular superpower like Assyria? Isaiah breaks purity code when he bends the truth about the condition of war-torn Judah. His succinct Twitter messages downplay the severity. For this, his lips are unclean. The presence of God's majestic robe filling the space compels Isaiah to get right with God. Woe is me, he cries. Coming out from the veil of self-delusion, he humbly wails before God and God's counsel of seraphs. He sees himself fully amidst the cloudy smoke for perhaps the first time in years. And so when in all humility he must be thinking he is unusable by God, a seraph flies down with this hot coal, touches Isaiah's lips, and cleanses him of all of his sin. In the year that King Uzziah dies, Grace abounds. Afterward, God calls out from the throne of thrones, Whom shall I send to the people who will go for us with the message? The newly baptized by fiery coal, the one finally seeing clearly, the one who hears God's voice calls from his burned lips in full submission, Here I am! Send me! says Isaiah. And it's riveting for so many reasons. All of us ministers who have been called to the ministry love this story, don't we? (laughs) And those of you who feel as if you have been called to your vocation might shimmer your shoulders with joy or stand in the holiness of God with deep appreciation. The feeling of unworthiness, perhaps even the imposter syndrome is there. Yet, sensing a divine presence that beckons to you from across the threshold, we throw our heads back and we proclaim, Here am I! Send me! It's wrapped with beauty. And I know that you know this feeling, Highland. We have offered this cry as a Church more than once. We identify with Isaiah in this moment. Send us to the margins of society to proclaim the year of your favor. Send us to those who are ignored, to those who need to know they are loved. Send us to be a beacon of your love and of your forgiveness in this hurting world. We who are chaplains and attorneys, professors and accountants, teachers and social workers, retired and freshly graduated— We know that we are called as Highland Baptist Church to be a thinking, feeling, healing place of acceptance, discovery, and service. Our mission statement says as much. In the year that King Uzziah died, God's prophet answered, Send me. But there's a part to this story that's not included in the lectionary. Hang with me here. Reality happens quickly for Isaiah. Listen to verses 9 and 10. And God said, go and say to this people, keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. As quick as there is forgiveness and healing energy in one moment, there is brutal honesty in the next. The people don't get it. They don't get the magnitude of God's love. They don't understand the law. They do not accept their need for healing, just like the people who listened to Jeremiah and the people who listened to Ezekiel, just like the disciples who followed Jesus and listened to his foretellings of death and destruction. They did not get it, and neither will the people to whom Isaiah preaches. In the year that King Uzziah died, the people don't get it. Uzziah doesn't die in isolation though. We celebrated a terrible anniversary this past week. Tuesday marked one year since a police officer kneeled on the neck of George Floyd for nearly nine minutes asphyxiating him while onlookers were powerless to intervene. This trauma a trauma that has been perpetuated against black and brown and indigenous bodies since our nation's founding, is white people not getting it. And this worries God and God's prophets. Like the text says, how long will we keep listening but not comprehend? How long will we keep looking but not understand? Lucille Clifton was a 20th century African-American poet. Perhaps you know her work. Folks have been flocking to one of her poems entitled, Why Some People Be Mad at Me Sometimes. Hear this short poem. They ask me to remember, but they want me to remember their memories, and I keep remembering mine. I'm going to read it again. They ask me to remember, but they want me to remember their memories, and I keep remembering mine. This poem, when read on the anniversary of George Floyd's murder, is a clarion call to remember. The SALT Project is an is a online theological platform. And the SALT Project reflects on this poem, a caution that what, who, and how we remember makes a world of difference. So much has changed in a year, and so much remains the same. Remembering can be a form of passivity, And it can be a form of action. It can be a form of lip service. And it can be a form of rededication. It can be a form of going along with what the powers at be want us to remember. And it can be a form of fiercely insisting that a new world is possible. And so, Hylan, I ask us gently, who are we in this story today? Are we the woke prophet? or the misunderstanding people? Are we ready to, re- to move our remembering of George Floyd away from passive disdain into progressive action, away from institutional overprocessing into fierce insistence that a new world is possible? But Lauren, you might be ready to implore me, we know this. We know of our white privilege and our place in the status quo. We corporately and publicly lament the ways that we benefit at the expense of our BIPOC siblings. We do seek to be woke to systemic injustices because we love Jesus. To which I respond, I know you do, Highland. I know we do. But it is no longer enough only to know these things. We must act as individuals and as an institution if we are really going to restore breath to those who cannot breathe. Because the fact of the matter is, people cannot breathe. And when people cannot breathe, people die. George Floyd and Eric Garner aren't the only ones who can't breathe. Black people are not the only ones dying. Transgender people can't breathe. Refugees and migrants can't breathe. Palestinians can't breathe. People caught in the throes of addiction can't breathe. Still in so many places of our globe, women can't breathe. In the year that George Floyd died, God calls the people to remember rightly so that the people can breathe fully. But thankfully, Isaiah isn't the only prophet called. Do you hear or see the prophets calling today? They say things like black lives matter or climate change is real. Women's rights are human rights. I invite you to hear these prophets with me in this moment. Systemic injustice is intersectional. God takes pride in all God's children. What do you hear the prophets calling In the year that George Floyd died, the prophets call out. So it begs us to wonder together, will God's people get it? Church, we have a chance to see and hear as God longs for us to see and hear. In her introduction to the new Jim Crow, mass incarceration in the age of colorblindness, attorney, scholar, and activist Michelle Alexander compares the plight of mass incarceration to Jim Crow segregation. We have not ended racial caste in America. We have merely redesigned it, she writes. And I offer this extended quote. She explains, building a broad-based social movement, however, is not enough. If the movement that emerges to challenge mass incarceration fails to confront squarely the critical role of race in the basic structure of our society, and if it fails to cultivate, listen to this, if it fails to cultivate an ethic of genuine care, compassion, and concern for every human being of every class, race, and nationality within our nation's borders, the collapse of mass incarceration will not mean the death of racial caste in America. She says, inevitably, a new system of racialized social control will emerge, one that we cannot foresee just as the current system was not predicted by anyone 30 years ago. Ultimately, what I hear her saying is this. Unless we touch every fiber of our society, aiming to dismantle the structures that suffocate people, we will continue to live within racism and people will continue to die. If it's not slavery, it's segregation. If it's not segregation, it's mass incarceration. If it's not Jim Crow, it's the school-to-prison pipeline. And if we don't deal with the work from the inside out, a new iteration of racism will eventually replace incarceration and police brutality. Highland. Whoa. How do we strike a movement that is big enough and powerful enough and full enough of those who are privileged enough to opt in and opt out but stay to opt in so as to fiercely assist in a better world? Church, let us position ourselves in this call to not miss the Spirit's momentum. Let us rise up and shout out, breathe. With the prophets, let everything that has breath praise the Holy One. Holy, 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 breathe. It's not enough to say only send me because the people will not get it. And it's not enough to be the confused people for we are out of excuses and people are continuing to run out of breath. Imagine now, in the year that George Floyd died, the people get it. Hear this again. Michelle Alexander, in her wisdom, writes, We must cultivate an ethic of genuine care, compassion, and concern for every human being of every class, race, and nationality, to which I might add gender, orientation, and tribe. I believe this is our answer, church. This is the breath of equity, the breath of self acceptance and institutional transformation, the breath of liberation, the breathing that Jesus modeled, the breath that Isaiah prophesied with, cultivating an ethic of genuine care and compassion is holy breathing. And we can do this. Let's inhale together. There is solidarity as we exhale. God's freedom. Black Liturgies of Instagram is a fantastic page to follow. Each day the author Cole Arthur Riley offers people of color a theological promise, and then she invites the reader to inhale and exhale each truth. As I close, I invite you into a breathing exercise with me, mindful as we inhale and exhale of those who have lost their breath to violence. So if you're comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes. Take a deep breath. I borrow these words from the black liturgist. Inhale, I will not accept violent systems. Exhale, my faith will not be confined. Inhale, I don't have to be good enough. Exhale. God is not the sound of shame. Inhale, I will not become numb to oppression. Exhale, God stir my stagnant soul. Inhale, I resist the tyranny of despair. Exhale, God awaken my soul to beauty. It plays out differently for each of us, doesn't it? Some of us march, and some of us write. Some of us speak at rallies, and some of us work in finance. Some of us love our grandchildren unconditionally, and some of us parent with perseverance. The point is that whatever we are called to do, And wherever we fulfill our call and however we remember and grieve, we do it with this ethic of care and compassion with a foolish hope of transforming the world fiercely. Together, all of us, prophets and people, children of God, together, understanding the transforming love of our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Inhale, here I am, send me. Exhale, let the world transform. In the year that King Uzziah died, the people of God breathed through burning lips with full lungs from caring and compassionate hearts, and the people got it. Amen.